Hello, Mirthor Aliens. How are you, if you're still here? <laughs> Give me a second to get everything up and running. Hello, Jacob. How are you? Get my pop-out chats ready. Okay, my pop-out chat. There we go. There it goes. Yes, I know, computer. You hate that I do this. Nope, not that way. Hey, Heather. How you doing, hon? Good morning. Good evening, good afternoon. <laughs> How is everybody? Oh no, Jacob, that's not good. Some good I have to baby my knee because it gave out on me in school yesterday. That sucks. That sucks. I'm sorry to hear that, hon. I hope you feel better. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Eddie should be coming in anytime. I guess we'll chat until he comes in. He's still at work. So, you know. We got a good show today, though. We got a really good show today. Hey, Tori, how you doing? Welcome. One fifty-eight p.m. here. It is ten a.m. here. Yeah, you're on the East Coast, right? Yeah, duh. Yeah, it's ten a.m. here. That's okay, Heather. I've been called worse. <laughs> I've been called worse. Today is all about What If Wednesdays, where we talk about cryptids, UFOs, and conspiracy theories. But today we got a lot of uh, good show today. I think so. Mind-picking show, I guess. 8 a.m. there. Where are you, Tori? Hello, aliens. I said hi to you earlier, but I don't know if I don't, I couldn't, I might have not been live. I don't know. <laughs> I might have said it too a little too early. How are you doing? Welcome, welcome. Um, so yeah, today's show we got a lot of thought-provoking New Zealand. Okay, I should have known that. I should have known you were somewhere on the other side of the world. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I like that. Hope everybody is well. We're gonna get a give a few more minutes to get everybody in here and, and wait till Eddie. Like I said, he should be coming anytime now. He gets out at ten. It is ten now. Should take him about. Well, depends on what he's doing. <laughs> you know. What are you going to do? But today, yes, today is What If Wednesdays where we talk all kinds of weirdness. I love it. Love it. 
we talk cryptids, UFOs, and aliens, and conspiracy theories. Not too many conspiracy theories today. Somewhat. But different, uh, yeah. And before, you know, we get into it, I'll, I'll run down the list of what actually we are going to. Does it really? Because I changed it. Jesus. I hate when it does that and it don't change. No, it's not. Today's Wednesday, so it's not Tarot Card Tuesday. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys, if people are thinking that it's Tarot Tuesday. It's not. I hate when it does that. It's supposed to change it all for me. Maybe I didn't hit update. No, I did hit update, I thought. Maybe I didn't. Oops. Well, let me set out my tweets just in case. Maybe. My tweet that doesn't want to work. It doesn't either. Why is it not working? It's up there. Oh, come on now. All right, well, I guess I'm not, I guess I'm not sending out any tweets. <laughs> hey, Orion Grace, how are you? Hello, Paranormal Circle. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. How are you guys? Oh, it's going to bum me out. I don't know why it's not working. Oh, oh okay. I went to press on it and it did It just said, nope, <laughs> you're not getting me. What are you going to do? Always the technical issue somewhere in the, in the show, right? We're so used to that. <laughs> so, yeah, we got a good show today. We're going to be talking about, um, on today's show, we're first talking about Matilda McElroy, the nurse who claimed to communicate with the Roswell aliens. Um, then we're going to dive into exploring weird mysteries. And then, because the reason I saw it say that is because of the fact that usually when there's one paranormal event, there's two paranormal events. So we're going to check that out. And then we're going to talk about the former Israeli space security chief says extraterrestrials exist and Trump knew about it. So we are going to, no political talk on here. We're just going to discuss this. <laughs> you know, you know how it is. I would, but I don't like opening up. And I didn't obviously bring, I'm not prepared. I didn't bring my phone in, nothing. Nothing. But thank you, Heather. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're awesome for tweeting it out for me. Yeah, my, my computer hates that I have everything running anyway. So, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> but yeah, I appreciate it. So how are you guys doing? What's going on? Anything new in your guys' life? I'm trying to, you know... <laughs> Wait till Eddie gets here. I don't want to get in the middle of a story and then, uh, you know, 
him come in and start ru you know, running his mouth like he does. I didn't say that. I'm just joking. <laughs> okay, Jacob, no problem. Take care of that knee, though. Be careful of that knee. So when you're popping in and out, you know, hold your knee. <laughs> and then I'm going to do a little test with you guys. Not a little test, but a little... um. I guess, um, study? I don't know. Little Red, hi! Today's not Tuesday. I know it didn't change the, it didn't change the title. <laughs> it didn't change the title. I'm sorry, hon. But I miss you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Usually what happens is, you know, I get everything ready, get myself ready, go out to have a cigarette before the stream, and then I mess everything up in the long run. <laughs> Gotta be funny with your titles. Well, it never switched. Usually I switch them. I, I've been keeping up. I, I kind of. I mean, I don't know what's going on, but um, I see tweets every now and then. <laughs> I knew you'd been MIA, though. I knew it was for a reason. I knew you wouldn't just disappear on us for no reason. But I hope everybody's doing well. You know what, screw it, I'm just going to get into it, I guess. Welcome, like I said, to What If Wednesdays, where we discuss UFOs, cryptoids, and conspiracy theories. We discuss it all here. We discuss it all. Like I said, today's show, we're talking about Matilda McElroy, the nurse who claimed to communicate with Roswell aliens. Then we're going to dive into exploring weird mysteries, where there's one paranormal mystery, there's usually a second and then for my I, um, Israeli space security chief, apparently we're going to have a hard time talking today, um, says extraterrestrials exist. As always, if you're listening on to the podcast portion of this, I invite you to come over to the live shows and join in the conversation, man. We have a lot of fun here. We have a lot of fun chatting it up, discussing different things. I want to get your opinions as well as what I, you know, give you mine. Um, that's what we have here in chat. And always remember, when you're in my chat room, okay, you're always protected. That you want to talk about anything, talk about anything. Um, sorry, little red, I got you between. <laughs> um, you know, you're always protected. Whatever your beliefs are, you're, they're here. You can, you can feel comfortable sharing them here. Um, yeah, so, and remember, as I roll the credits, don't forget to get over to DLive and get that chest as I open up for the limons. All right, so where to start? 
where to start. All right. Let me get my chats out of the way here. So Matilda McElroy, right? She was a nurse back in 1947 when the crash happened. The big old crash. No problem. <laughs> no problem. I just, I thought it was somebody tweeting out and then I'm like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> I can't find that stupid, like, button on D-Live. <laughs> uh, I know, see, they hide it. They hide it. <laughs> So, a new documentary currently running about the contents of a journal allegedly be kept by Major Jesse Marcel, the first military witness to see the object that crashed, crashed in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947, has a famous incident back in the news, especially since Marcel told his family what he saw was not made of human hands. And if you haven't seen it, um, I don't know if that's the documentary they're talking about. But Ben from uh, Fact and Fact or Fake, he's doing a series um, that's now on, I think, the Travel Channel. It's either the Travel Channel or the History Channel, one of the two. Or now everything's going to Discovery Plus, whatever. But he's doing a, a thing about it, and it's really cool. It's really cool. I like watching it. That's what I should talk about. It's a conspiracy, the hidden like button on DLive. Yeah, I should, right? <laughs> okay, problem, no problem, Lil Red. I hear you. I hear you. You can't come back too quick because, you know, I, I tried that and it didn't work, so I had to leave again. So I know exactly what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. So, um, he was pressured by the U.S. government to retract his original statement and deny he ever saw evidence of a UFO. However, a few sites have also picked up another old story by another alleged witness. This one is the military nurse who claimed shortly before her death that she had been the only person to communicate tele telepathically with the only alien to survive the Roswell crash. If you never heard of this tale and wonder if it's true, here's the strange account of Matilda O'Donnell McElroy, Senior Master Sergeant, Women's Army, Air Force, Medical Corps, about her conversation with, I want to say, Errol, A-I-R-L, the alien. Many men have been killed to extinguish the possibility of revealing the knowledge I have helped to withhold from society until now. Only a small handful of people on Earth have been and oh, Eddie's home. Only a small handful of people on Earth have seen and heard what I've had the burden of keeping secret for 60 years. All those years, I thought that I had been entrusted with great deal of confidence by the powers that be in our government. Although I have often felt that power is greatly misguided to protect mankind from certain knowledge that not only do intelligent not only do intelligent extraterrestrial life forms exist but they have and continue to aggressively monitor and invade our lives everyone on earth every day hello honey 
Okay. Matilda O'Donnell McElroy wrote the letter in 2007 to an author, Lawrence R. Spencer, who had contacted McElroy. For some reason, I have, um, hey, Steve, how you doing, hon? Um, I have a problem saying McElroy. Um, <laughs> eight years prior to his boom, the Oz Factors, the interview gave her the trust to share with him at age 83, the story that she didn't want to take to the grave. She revealed she was planning um, euthanasia in a few months. She claims that she was the driver of a vehicle occupied by Mr. Cabot, a counter. Okay, hold on one second, guys. Let me get him into the studio. Are you all set? No, I just sat down. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, You're in twice. <laughs> I had y'all set up, but that's okay. Oops. All right, hold on. Is that better? There we go. All right, now, you got to give me a second. I got to go to YouTube and okay. pull up chat. It is Wednesday, Steve. It is Wednesday. Is it? I thought it was Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> the echo will be going here in just a second. All right. All right. You think so? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about Matilda O'Donnell McElroy, who wrote um, a letter. Apparently, she communicated tele telepathy or telepathy. Telepathically. Yeah, that with the alien that crashed at Roswell. She was a nurse. She was actually. Um, a senior master sergeant, Women's Army Air Force Medical Corp. Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, she claims that she was the driver of the vehicle occupied by Mr. Cabot, a counterintelligent officer sent to the crash site, and was instructed to help in any way of her capacity as a trained flight nurse. McElroy claims she saw a craft dead aliens, and one conscious and uninjured. When she attended to the alien, she claims to have received mental images, which she interpreted into the alien communicating telepathy, or telepathically. Revealing this to Mr. Cabot, she was assigned permanently to serve as a companion of the alien of all times, at all times, conducting interviews and making complete reports. For doing this, she promised a senior master sergeant, or she was promoted to senior master sergeant and given a pay raise. McElroy says she found out the alien's name was, like I said, I think it's Errol, A-I-R-L, and appeared to be, and it appeared to be a female. Our communication did not consist of spoken language in the conventional sense. Indeed, the body of the alien had no mouth through which to speak. Our communication was by telepathy. 
At first, I could not understand Errol very clearly. I could perceive images, emotions, and impressions. When she says that, it kind of reminds me of when I'm doing readings. Um, as I'm giving the messages, I'm not. I'll get I'll get words in my head, but I'll also they'll put me in a time where I was going through something that I could relate to, so I could understand it. If that makes sense. So, um, do, 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 do. once Ariel learned the English language, he was able to force thoughts more precisely using symbols and meanings of words I could understand. Learning the English language was done as a favor to me. It was more of my, for my own benefit than hers. McElroy told Spencer in a letter that Ariel was an officer pilot and engineer serving in the domain expendency force and was had been stationed at a base in the asteroid belt. She ended by instructing him to reveal the contents of the letter and soon accompanying notes to as many people as possible as soon as possible so that the people can understand the devastating consequences our spiritual and physical survival if we fail to take effective action to undo the long-standing and persuasive effects of alien intervention on Earth. Thank you for the ice cream, Heather. Bravery. Spencer did, as he was told, an alien interview was published in 2008. The book was filled with alleged transcripts and notes of all of her conversations with Errol before the alien died or departed from the doll-sized body McElroy had in interviewed. Now, I did pull up... some experts... not experts... but, um... Another interview where she noted that the inner alien was a small child and was the only surviving among the three crew members of the ship that crashed in New Mexico. Her body was made of synthetic material, which means she was an alien robot controlled by a higher order being. According to the book, um, which is based on the notes, the UFO was made of the same material as the alien body. It was controlled by mind and thoughts, which we've heard about that. We've heard about that it's some kind of connected, you know, we've heard about the handprint that's on the dashboard of the UFO where it's controlled by the mind of these aliens. Um, the following expert is a letter that he received from McElroy, and it says it, apparently this was uh, typed out and signed by her. As known in July 1947, the Roswell Army Airfield RAF, RAAF issued a press release stating the personnel from Flight's 509 Bomb Group had recovered crashed flying discs from a ranch near Roswell, New Mexico, sparking the intense media interest. When the news that the, there had been a crash was received at the base, I was asked to accompany Mr. Cabot, the counterintelligence officer, to the crash Hi, aliens. as the driver of his vehicle and rendered emergency medical assistance to any survivors if necessary. 
When we arrived, I learned that one of the four personnel on board, the craft and the four personnel on board, the craft had survived the uh, had survived the crash and was conscious, apparently uninjured. I immediately detected that the alien being was attempting to communicate with my mental images or telepathic thought. I reported this phenomenon to Mr. Cabot, and as no other person was present who could perceive these thoughts and aliens seemed able and willing to communicate with me, it was decided after a brief consultation that with a senior officer that I would accompany the surviving alien back to home base. My duty was to communicate with the alien and make complete report of all that I discovered to command authorities. Subsequently, I supplied the specific listings of questions provided to me by my military and non-military personnel, which I was to interpret for the alien and record the responses to the question provided. Mankind needs to know the answers to the question which are contained in these documents. Who are we? Where did we come from? What is our purpose on Earth? If there is an intelligent life elsewhere in the universe, why have they not contacted us? Is it vital that people under... It is vital that people understand the devastating consequences to our physical and spiritual survival if we fail to take effective action to undo the long-standing and persuasive effects of alien intervention on Earth. Now, um... Morning, Scoops. Hey, Scoops, how are you? So this is what she had to say. When Matilda, Matilda asked Errol how long she had been visiting Earth, her answer was, long before humans. Her footnotes, in her footnotes, Matilda wrote, Earth is a small planet of a rim star of a galaxy. This makes Earth very isolated geographically from the more concentrated planetary civilizations which exist toward the center of the galaxy. This obvious fact has made Earth suitable for us only as a zoological or botanical garden for its current use as a prison, but not much else. Before 30,000 30, BCE, Earth started being used as a dumping ground for and prison for IS-BEs who were judged untouchable, meaning criminal or non-conformists. IS-BEs were captured, encapsulated in electronical traps and transported to Earth from various parts of the old empire. Underground amnesia stations were set up on Mars and on Earth and in the Renzori mountains in Africa, in the Pyrenees mountains of Portugal, and the steppes of Mongolia. Matilda's, Matilda's story sounds a bit like science fiction movie where she talks about intergalactical travels. In the 2009, a short CGI film, The Ex Esma 2008, was released on YouTube by Esma Movies. I haven't checked it out, but I will check it out definitely in which a playful child alien with deviant behavior was turned into a human and exiled to Earth by ETs after he disturbed the peace of the planet. The video was, has a strange concept, but somehow it's similar to what Matilda is saying about Earth. 
So, I mean, it's crazy. Let me go back up here. What can we make of all this? Um, Howandwise.com, the site which uh, recently brought the story back to the news, says it sounds like a bit of a science fiction movie. And it does. But, I mean, what do you guys think? What do you think about this? Do you think she'd really, you know talk to these aliens i mean the way she said that she uh the telepathy and everything like that it's not uncommon that's what i've heard is that you know what i've seen on you know listening to this and everything it's not uncommon that's how that they you know i think she did too heather <laughs> Thank you, Skook. <laughs> I I really honestly think she did. I'm sorry, I'm just trying to get out of work mode. That's okay. Because <laughs> I got to go back. And just the way she explained everything on how, you know, it worked <laughs> with her. It's not the first time that I've heard that. Honestly. Well, she had to talk to them if she, if she knew that they controlled their ship with their mind. And right. physically done it. And how else would she know that without talking to them? Right. And that's been stated before. I mean, obviously, after the Roswell incident. But... You know what I mean? It's nothing, like, what she's saying is what other people have said after her, you know, and in the beginning, Adi, you missed it, but, you know, she even stated that numerous people have died because of the information, you know. They were afraid that they were going to leak it out. Right, exactly. She said, I want, Heather said, I wonder if she had any implications with her job after she stated this though well supposedly after she told him that she could communicate that's when she got her pay raise and got bumped up to senior staff as sergeant yeah that's well that's the thing see this is how it ties into what this article here let me make sure. Let me get the right thing up. <laughs> hey, Grace. It goes with what this is saying about the former Israeli space security officer or security chief says alien, aliens exist.
So, a former alien space, or a former alien, a former Israel. Yeah, no, Israel. They're, they're human now. <laughs> yeah, they're human now. <laughs> former Israeli space security chief had said that the existence of the Galactical, oh my God, Galactic Federation and Israel and the U.S. have been dealing with aliens for years. Haim Ashid, or Ishad, 87-year-old former space security chief, gave further descriptions about exactly what sort of agreements have been made with the aliens in the U.S., which is, um, which is basically they wish to research and understand the fabric of the universe. The Jer Jerusalem Post reported, quoting an Israeli media outlet, he further said the corporation includes a secret underground base in Mars, and there were American and alien representatives. During the interview with the Israeli Daily, Ashad emphasized that the U.S. President Donald Trump is aware, obviously this is from last year, um, is aware of them, and that he was on the verge of informing everyone about their existence. However, the Galactic Federation reportedly stopped him from doing so saying they wish to prevent mass hysteria since they feel humanity needed to evolve and reach a stage where we will understand what space and spaceships are. And that makes sense. If you remember in our old, one of our old conversations about this, when I talked about Chad Kalick and David Skypol, my thoughts on this is basically that Trump knew, and Skyfall said Trump was going to be the one to disclose it. And he kind of did, right? He kind of did with the news media and everything. So, um, yeah, the Council of Five, the Council of Twelve. I mean, you know, whatever you want to, you know, call it. Um, so I believe that he knew about it and he wanted to disclose it. Um... But something happened, and I think the Federation is right. Because if you notice, we take two steps forward, or one step forward and two steps back, right? Like, people believe in it, and then they're like, they go back to calling people idiots for believing it. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, but the reason, it, the thing of it is, is he wanted to, I feel that Trump wanted to expose it. And that's why there was there's such a rush to get him out of office and to get him where he can't say anything to anybody. Just my take. I'm not a listen. I don't care if you're a Trump supporter or a not supporter of Trump. It's not political. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about the way that they're trying to get him out. Any president like that, even if it was somebody else, I'd be the same way. They're, they're rushing him. Like, I mean, they're really trying to keep him out. Do you know what I mean? Like, and get him out as quickly and quietly as possible. Well, if you remember, too, it's uh, just been covered that they're trying to uh, stop him and ban him from getting any uh, intelligence information. Right. See, I think he wanted to disclose it. That's just my take on it. And just watching everything. Yeah, treaty deals. Exactly. Um, 
you know, and I do remember that, you know, what I what I've researched and everything like that, there is a collective where we're supposed to be more in the 5D than we should be. We are like way behind on schedule of where we're supposed to be, right? But again, humanity keeps taking one step forward and two steps back. So I think they expected us to be at the right dimension <laughs> before they disclosed everything and we just won't go there as a collective. Yeah. Because three, we're in the 3D, we're, we're, our planet is living in the 3D. Fourth dimension is just a bridge. It's not a real, um, not re, it is real, but I mean, not, it's not um, a solid like 5D, 3D. It's just a bridge to get us there. It's, yeah, Earth is lagging behind, exactly. And that's the thing. I mean, we're all moving forward to get into that. We're, you know, some of us, obviously are in the 4D, what do you think with the 4D? And when I say that, what I mean is like, it goes back to what I've said about, you know, I keep using the cat theory, where when that cat looks in the mirror, they see another cat, they don't see themselves, they don't have sense of self, right? So that's how our brains work in the dimension, our brains like expand. And I think a lot of it has to do with the junk, as they call it, as the doctors call it, junk DNA. Um, that's in our, you know, DNA. That they have no clue what it's used for. And I think that's why, like, when we listen to binary breaths and stuff like that, it opens up that DNA. Now, I, I could be talking out my ass, but just everything that I've researched, that's what it seems like. Earth is buffering, rotating, ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. Wait, Alien says that the, uh, Earth is, is lagging behind. It, Earth is, is centuries behind. Yeah. Yeah, Skook, exactly. Well, 5D is more, uh, less, yeah, it's that vibration of um, compassion. Exactly. It. And we're just not there. So I think they were ready to disclose. That's why we've been seeing more of them. More, you know, like UFOs in the sky. But you have to remember, and that's, you know, at least what I've researched, to where we weren't, um, like, aliens weren't allowed to come here until 2012. Like, we had a cloak over us. So in 2012, that's when the cloak was removed, according to some sources. And that's why we're, we've been seeing more of the spaceships, different spaceships in the skies since 2012, just because we were cloaked until that. People forgot about us. Like this, and that's what this reminds me of. They said, you know, it's on the um, brim of the universe, brim of the galaxy. So therefore tells me that, yeah, we could be forgotten about. <laughs> you know what I mean? It kind of, like, validates everything, not everything, but a lot of things that 
I've read before, if that makes sense. So the reason he said he was coming out with this information now is that if I, if I come up with that, what I'm saying today, five years ago, I would have been hospitalized. And it's right. He's right. Today, there's already, they're already talking differently, which we are. Disclosure has, you know, the whole Nimic video and all the other ones, you know, really opened the eyes of people, but not as, not as much as it should have. And he says he has nothing to lose. I received my degrees and awards. I'm respected in the universities abroad where they trend, where the trend is also changing, he added. And it is, it's, we are changing, but not at the way we should. And I think it was probably a cross between both, really. Was it a dreams or fragments of reality? Yeah, I think both. I, I would say both. I think they come into our dreams just like anybody else, you know, everything else. I, I really do believe that. I believe they're around us all the time. I think that, um, to be honest with you, I that uh, feeling you get when you feel watched, or when you get, like, not just watch, because you're not going to, you know, your flight, flight doesn't kick in when you're just being watched. I mean, sometimes it does. But I think when you get that really nervous, I got to get out of here feeling like I'm not supposed to be here feeling, I believe they're really close. Like, if you listen to Bashar talk through David Anka, um, hopefully I said his name right, um, he'll tell you that, like, Interdimensional beings, if they come close to you, they, like, take your sense of self. You know what I mean? Like, David had said that, that Bashar had shown himself, his true self, to David. But the closer he got to David, he goes, all I could see was all of a sudden I was seeing myself through his eyes. So it takes away that sense of worth self because it... We're one collective being, if that makes sense. Right. Yes, they do. Seeing everything and everyone. Yeah. I totally agree. Watchers are always watching. Yes. And, I mean, I think they're here all the time. We just don't... We don't sense them. It's kind of like I, I'm leaning towards that really paranormal spiritual worlds... It's all one thing. It's not just, it's not, which is weird because of the fact that, you know, it's always been branched out as three different things. UFO aliens, cryptoids, and paranormal, right? It's always had three, the three spectrums, right? But I honestly think it's all one thing and it's how we perceive things. It's how our brain works to make sense of what we are seeing because we're not at that stage of seeing the true thing, if that makes sense. I mean, like I said, it's just how I feel about it from what I've researched and what I've um, really just sat there and, you know, 
thought about. This is what goes through my brain all the time. <laughs> the universal plan, yeah. I mean, I truly believe that we're all one consciousness, no matter what. No matter what, we're all one consciousness. The collective consciousness, at least. And uh, we're just different aspects, little pings. But that's just my thoughts. Okay. And here's another story that suggests this. Um, in Spain, aliens, they said aliens may exist in ways we cannot even fathom. And they could be all around us. But because we don't know how to detect them, we can't see what's right in front of our faces. At least that's what a group of researchers in the University of Cadiz in Spain suggested in a report published in the Journal of Astronautica. Is that related to random nautica? <laughs> our traditional concept of space is limited by our brain, and we have the science above. Um, we may have the science above and be unable to see them. Kind, kind of like UFOs. I believe they're constantly in our space, in our skies, but they're cloaked. Hey, Scott. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you, you were just kidding there, Scott. <laughs> um, they say, though, that we might be looking in, um, we're not looking in the right direction. The research team used a classic psychological experiment to provide a possible explanation as to why we humans may not have found indications of extraterrestrial life. The theory hinges of an idea of inintention blindness, which suggests that we don't see what we're looking for. Now, it's going to do this test with you guys. But that kind of blows it. <laughs> He just called you a dumbass. He called me a dumbass? Yeah. Scott, why are you going to call me a dumbass? It's not very nice, you know. I would never call you a dumbass. I would. Well, yes, you would. But... <laughs> a fat, bald dumbass. <laughs> okay, let me get this set up for you guys. All right, brother. Okay. Let me share the screen. That's not where I want to go. Really? No. Shut up. Okay. Let's try this again. Share screen. Okay, you ready guys? I want you to really do this. Oh, it helps to put it up there. Count how many times the player wearing white passed the basketball. <laughs> okay. White passed the basketball.
How many passes did you count? How many passes did you guys count? Heather said nine. says no thanks. <laughs> okay, so let's see the answer. Now, wait, hold on. Before okay. you do that, Heather, you were off on, on the number of passes, by the way, but yeah. that's not what this is about. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's 15 passes. But did you see the gorilla? Did you see the gorilla? Stop it. Oh, I, you should have started and let them answer before you showed the video. Uh. But it's okay. And that's the experiment. You were this focusing so hard on counting how many times the white passed the ball. Most people would have never noticed that that gorilla walked right through the middle of it. Exactly. Exactly. And that's our perception. That is our perception of what we see. <laughs> yeah, it played there. That's our perception. We see what we want to see. If we're focused on something like our phones, we don't see what's around us. And I think that's why you were counting the ball right exactly exactly and that's the thing is if we're i think that's why with this whole pandemic and everything right we're seeing more stuff because we're bored we're in our house going what do we do what do we do and then shit starts to happen that's why you got more paranormal stuff happening that's why you get more ufo stuff happening or alien stuff happening more cryptids are being seen. That's why, because we're taking the time to, for lack of a better word, stop to smell the roses. We don't do that. God said he lost count after two. I'm surprised he made it to one. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's how our perception is. If we're not looking for it because we claim we're so smart and know everything... When in reality, we don't know anything. Exactly. Pretty neat experiment. Now, when I will say that when I first did it, I took it. I didn't know what was going on. I was just reading about it and wanted to see what, you know, it was all about. I didn't see the gorilla either. Eddie saw the gorilla the first time around. I did not. And still counted one one pass too many. Yes, yes, still had the same. I, I think I did 13 instead of 15 passes. And I, and I said 16 passes, but I spotted the gorilla. But I did see the girl get bonked on the head with the ball. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, but that's what that video, that experiment's all about. And they think that's the reason why people don't see more. Okay, Scott, no problem. Have a good dinner. Yeah, buddy, take it easy. Um, why people more don't see more things is because we're just 
too busy with our lives. You know? So these uh, extraterrestrials, it's the team specifically avoided using the term extraterrestrial in the writing about their findings to be able to consider other possibilities. They do not fall strictly with extraterrestrial scope. Instead, they refer to life beyond Earth as non-terrestrial or terrestrial. When we think of other intelligent beings, we tend to see them from our perspective and conscious way of doing things. However, we are limiting our world of the vision, and it's hard for us to admit, which is true. So they think, they basically think, um, is what we're trying to do is they differentiate the complex other possibilities. For example, being of dimensions that our mind cannot grasp or intelligence based on dark matter or energy. We make up about almost 95% of the universe in which we are only beginning to glimpse. There's even the possibility that other universe exists, as the text of Stephen Hawking and other science scientists indicate. Cryptids don't cover everything. They co cover the animals the cryptozoology. <laughs> right, Gray? <laughs> See? And that's the thing. I, I've seen that, though. Like, way before, like, if somebody um, telepathically had a conversation with an alien, like, years and years ago, they were strict and straightforward. Right? But nowadays, like, the, the, the comedic part of them does come out. <laughs> Skook. <laughs> so, it's reason, it is reasonably, uh, reasonable to think that advanced civilization, ETIs, or more precise non-terrestrial intelligence, NTIs, will either have mastered dark matter or it's possibly composed of it. A multiverse of higher dimensional extensions, M-theory, these theories require the presence of 10 or 11 space-time dimensions, respectively. And I honestly think that's what's going on. Is it's all interdimensional. I mean, that's my take. But we're just too... It's kind of like I brought up the uh, one time when people were wondering why UFOs were, um, you know, circling our nukes and stuff like that. Well, duh, we're not the only ones in the universe. If the UFOs, you know, are circling the nukes and shutting them down and everything, or giving a scare of turning them on, well, what do you think that means? We're not the only ones in the universe. If we blow up our Earth... We're affecting their living spaces as well. So, of course, they're going to be seeing what we're doing and making sure we're not blowing up ourselves. You know? <laughs> Just my take. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're stupid. When we... I'm, as a human being, I'm... To me, we're stupid. 
when it comes to stuff like that. Kind of like the whole, I believe, yeah, I heard that. Lasers defend the galaxy, yeah. I've heard that. Is, are you talking about the belt that we can't get past? I can't think of what it's called. Alex has talked to it. My coworker and me have talked about this many times. Weapons can be disabled. Yeah, definitely. Welcome back. That was quick. <laughs> he said start with bitch. <laughs> Shadows is why. That's right. <laughs> so moving on. We are going to talk about weird mysteries. Have you ever noticed that where there's one weird mystery, there's usually another? John Keel, from obviously Mossman Prophecies you guys have heard of, um, came to believe that cryptid creatures, UFO, aliens, men in black, ghosts, and so on, were all somehow interlinked. And John Keel wrote about that years ago. I would have, I have to agree. So having said that, here's some interesting examples. The Mysteries at Loch Ness, Scotland. <laughs> um, yes, there w isn't just one mystery at the Loch Ness. Hey, Patrick. Or at the legendary Loch. Hey, Patrick, that's okay, hon. Glad you're here now. The Nessie sighting aside, there are ma matter of ghostly airmen. In 1976, the wreck of a Second World War era Vickers Wellington aircraft was hauled up from the deep waters of the Loch Ness. It wasn't before, uh, it wasn't long before people were seeing the spectral form of a man at Loch Ness dressed in 1940s period military uniform. One example of this is um, there is a story of a man named Peter Smithson who told a ghost investigator, Bruce Barrymore Halpenny, of his encounter with the ghostly airman in 1978. Smithson said that it was one early one morning, just as dawn was breaking, when he saw someone coming towards him from the depths of the Loch Ness. Smithson's first reaction, and quite natural reaction, was to assume there had been some kind of accident. It was easy to understand why Smithsonian assumed that the man before him was dressed in military clothing and was dragging behind him a parachute. But what baffled Smithson is the fact that the uniform the man was wearing was clearly out of date. As far from modern looking and far more befitted the era of the 1940s when the world was engaged in trying to defeat the hordes of Adolf Hitler. Smithson shouted to the man to see if he was okay. The response Smithson got was an eerie one. The man slightly turned and pointed toward the, towards the waters of the Loch Ness. Smithson said that the man suddenly demeritalized. Demer, he went, yeah, thank you. Leaving him <laughs> with a funny feeling and a suspicion that what he had seen was a ghost airman. He commented, what a damn fool I felt, 
confronted by a ghost, my camera around my neck, yet had an, no inkling to take a photo. And that's how it is with me. I sit there and I, I carry around my phone and then something happens. I forget that I got a phone and then, you know, I'm like, screw the, <laughs> screw the photo. What the hell am I looking at? So, in the summer of 2003, when something very strange happened in a body of water in central England, near the bustling town of Canuck, Staff, Staffordshire, where's Andy? I know. <laughs> <laughs> Known locally and unofficially as the Roman View Pond, it's very soon to become famous, or rather, infamous. In no time at all, not only were there local media on the scene of all the crazy antics, but just about all of the UK's nationwide media, too. People that lived or have lived near the pond says it's actually much bigger than the name suggests. It was a story revealed by the Wolverhampton Express and Star dated June 16, 2003. And it, the title was Mysteri Mystery as Croc Spotted at Pool. The article reads as follows. A staff, Stafford... Shire community was today trying to unravel a pool monster mystery after reported sightings of a seven-foot crocodile type creature rising from the deep. The mystery of the mini Nessie was never solved. What's equally intriguing, however, is the fact that the old church, literally over across the road from Ro Roman View Pond, that more than a century ago was run by the father of a man named Gregory Ed, uh, Greg, or George, I mean, we're just going to call him George. Of George, the jungle. <laughs> huh? Of the jungle. Yeah. George was thrust. Okay, now, mind you, they said they saw the seven-foot crocodile, right? George was thrust into the limelight in 1903 when he was convicted, sentenced, and imprisoned for maiming and mutilating horses in the area. Reportedly in the dead of night, and some believed for reason related to nothing less than a full-blown occult rite and ritual. Collectively, the horse slashing and dust generated not only a great deal of concern at the local level, but also anger, fear, and a distinct trust in that family, who the locals had cons consistently frowned upon, deep and deeply upon ever since they moved to the area years earlier. Family claimed that he had, George claimed that he had no role in the matter, Indeed, there were more than a few bizarre ideas that the attacker was hypnotized, a hypnotized ape, a giant bird, a group of trained wild boars, and a cultist. So, this guy gets accused of maiming and mutilating all these horses. Well, what if this croc was living in the waters and they had no clue about it? What do you think, hon? <laughs> you know how I feel about the Loch Ness. That wasn't the Loch Ness. It was a, another pond. Yeah, but you said baby house. No, that was the story before that. Oh. Steam getting to my head. Anyway, back to, now to the United States. In Big Texas, to demonstrate just how heavily wooded Texas is, the Big Thicket alone, which is situated not far from the city of Houston, is 
more than 80,000 acres in size. It's dominated by nearly endless numbers of oak trees, beech trees, pines, and swamps and rivers. By day, the big thicket looks pretty much like any other large sprawling mass of forest land. But after the sun has set, however, and darkness has fallen on the big thicket, that things begin to change. Doesn't it start to like, in, in your mind, start taking a different shape? It could be, yeah. And to a significant and creepy degree. That's when Bigfoot creature comes out. That's right. The whole area has a long-standing history of Bigfoot activity. Activity. Much of the high strangeness of the Bigfoot variety and focus of the vicinity of the six-mile-long stretch of fairly primitive road that runs through the woods and which is called Frag Road. While that's the road's official title, it is has an unofficial title as well. Ghost Road. Patrick says they got a creature in a lake not too far from where he's at. Is it an alligator? Or a crocodile, I mean? It takes its curious name from the fact that for centuries, not only people have seen these Bigfoot around here, they've seen ghosts. They've reported seeing the strange, eerie floating balls of light. Kind of like the Brown Mountains. I want to go there so bad. <laughs> um, so lights going around the woods. Balls of light that vary from size of approximately a tennis ball to a soccer ball. And again, and it's against weird background that the big thicket Bigfoot dwells. So in one specific place in Texas, we have Bigfoot animals and strange balls of light seen. More than that, Rob Riggs, if you don't know who he is, he's a, I love Rob Riggs. He's, he's he has a, had a show on um, Discovery, no, Travel Channel, I believe, um, exploring different things. But he received reports of small glowing orbs of light attached to the creatures, which is extremely weird. So these lights were attached to Bigfoot. What do you mean? They were just hanging off of Bigfoot. Uh, oh, when you said Italian, you could have meant, you know, wherever Bigfoot was, there was like lights. You, you right, know what I mean? yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. So, I mean, again, two things happening in one place. And then Puerto Rico, we have the legend, legendary, it's legendary for, of course, what's the, what, what's the one thing Puerto Rico is known for? The Chupacabra. But the Chupacabra isn't the only strange creature in Puerto Rico. Stories have been around of the Mako vampire. Right, it's half the residents. A Chupacabra <laughs> thing, like thing that first surfaced in 1975. A large bat-like beast, a, a gargoyle type thing, Bigfoot creatures, and violent large monitor lizard. Right there would tell me. Nope. <laughs> so... Is it all just coincidences that all these things are happening at once? I don't think it's a coincidence. No? No. You think that it's, is it the energy in the specific areas, do you think? Well, it could be, you know, the, the, well, what are the areas called when the attitude or the latitude and the longitude cross each other? Are you talking, um, oh crap, what are they called? It becomes like a magnetic field or something. Well, yeah, it, um, 
Come on, guys. What are they called? Ley lines. Couldn't that have an effect on people's minds? A lot of people think that's definitely what it is. So, these legends, lores, folk tales may not even be true. Even though people say, oh, I've seen it, I've seen it. Hmm. Did the ley line work with you? Where were you located? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. Where are you guys? Heather says, I don't think there is any coincidences. Yeah, it's... it's... Well, there is. I mean, you got to stop and think about it. Okay. Um, for example, best friends through high school. Go to two separate colleges, opposite sides of the United States. Okay. One day, you just happen to be in the same town crossing each other's path. Right. That's a coincidence. Right, that, right. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, paranormal, cryptid, alien-wise. Uh, That's what I think, Scott. I think there is passages that lead in, I believe, Nessie is freaking real. I don't care what anybody says. Well, I don't think Nessie is, so. I just think that it... It swims through. Welcome back, Jake. It swims through. It's got um, passages that lead out to other parts of the world. Well, that's what everybody that tries to hunt this thing says, too. Wow, my computer's lagging bad. Yes, back, that's Jacob. right, Heather. Or maybe it was fate that you were supposed to see that friend again. It depends. Was it male or female? <laughs> Because if it, you know, it could have been a situation where it was just a coincidence or, you know, it was like you cross paths and say, fate hates me. <laughs> hey, beep, beep. Beep with somebody. I don't think so, Jake. No, because even more sightings have been seen this year. Yes, exactly, Patrick. That's exactly what Eddie was saying. Some believe that ley lines give people the energy to see things that are normally that normally we would not notice before. Or, but it could give you a, a false sense of visuality. Like how? Uh, uh, Just too much energy for us to handle. Could be. Yeah, I mean, you never know. You never, never know. So next up, we have weird government projects that span more than a few decades. That's just waking up every day for them. <laughs> so, let's begin in the UK and reveal some of the strange secrets in the heart of North Wales, where there exists a body of a water called Lake Bella. Hey, let us in. Hello, let us in. How are you? Welcome, welcome. You may say... Well, there's nothing particularly strange about that. You'd be correct. Lake Bella is not out of the ordinary. But it is there is a rumor. Okay, I have a feeling this is going south. Give me a second. Yeah. <laughs> um in the dark depths. They say that there is a violent lake monster called Teggy. So, they think Teggy is born out of a secret military experiment. Did 
There's a long-standing rumor in which Rombella area that there is a, a build up to the First World War. The British Royal Navy clandestinely led a group of SEALs into the lake. The reason to strap them with dynamite and train them to attack specific targets, namely warships. It should be noted that dynamite was not real and that the warships were just small roll rolling boats. In other words, the project was a test run and in the event of the Royal Navy might find herself at war with Germany, which it did in 1914 when the First World War broke out and suicide seals strapped with explosive might be requ required to fight for their country. So the story goes, the SEALs provide, proved impossible to train, and the project was abandoned. And so today, what people are seeing today are brief glimpses of the original SEALs that bred and bred and so on. Of course, it's very possible that this is nothing more than a tall tale passed on through the generations and without any actual facts to support it. Thus, the legend of Teggy, or Teggy, I'm thinking Teggy, continues to thrive. So what do you guys think? Well, they did try to do that with dolphins here, didn't they? I believe. Well, I mean, they talked about it. I don't know if they ever really tried it. So, I mean, I could see it possible. People, you know. I could... <laughs> it's our government. <laughs> well, that's the Royal Navy, but... <laughs> You know what I mean? It's the government. So, to me, I mean, it's definitely possible that they were trying to get suicide seals to do their dirty work. Yeah, I thought so, Patrick. Patrick said, yes, they did, Missy. Yeah, they tried to use dolphins here. So, I mean, it doesn't... I Do I know what happened? I don't know. I'm not one who's really... um. <laughs> looked into the um, Royal Navy or anything like that so I really don't know but I know our government yeah tried to use uh, dolphins animal, animal counterparts to swim to the boats and then blow them up yeah suicide dolphins yeah so I but mean but one thing people they, and the funny thing is is people don't understand dolphins are a hell of a lot more intelligent than we are yeah so you can try to strap a bomb to them. I don't see that working out too well. <laughs> Patrick says the U.S. has also trained dolphins to find lost torpedoes as well. That and they they also uh, kind of trained them to help search and rescue for uh, some boats and survivors. Yeah, they're they're intelligent. They're intelligent, you know. So the next thing we have is Alistair Crowley, the Great Beast who died in 1947, was the subject of sensitive files that were said to be destroyed, but may not have been. In, the case, in this case, the records were said to have originated with MI5, which is UK's equivalent to the FBI. Richard B. Spence of the International Spy Museum has done utmost to try and unravel the connections between Crowley and the intelligence community. Spencer said that Crowley, he was such a disreputable and um, even evil character in the public mind that arguably no responsible official would ever think of employing them. But the very fact that seems such 
improbable was the best recommendation for using him. People wouldn't think it would be, you know, that they would use him, right? Vault Paranormal just uh, subscribed. Well, thank you so much for the subscription. I totally missed it. Because it, it just popped up. Okay. Thank you for subscribing. Another theory is that during the Second World War, British intelligence planned to on using the world of the occult to try and pre prevent the Nazis from invading the UK. It was thanks to Spence in that 2003 something extraordinary happened. That was the year in which Spence found not a file on Crowley per se, but a file on another topic which referenced Crowley, which referenced Crowley's MI5 file. The claim that there had not been an MI5 file on Crowley now had no merit. Caught in an awkward situation, MI5 went back on its previous stance and claimed that, yes, there had been a Crowley file after all, but it had been destroyed back in 1950s. Spence dug deeper and found further references to Crowley, um, references to Crowley-based files. They, too, had been destroyed, claimed MI5. Uh, w. Adam Mandelbaum who worked for U.S. intelligence, said, given the political fallout that would have resulted from making this involvement public, it should be no surprise that there is documentation concerning Crowley's intelligence efforts. And why, you know, why not? I mean, they were worried, they were looking into the occult, so who best to hire than Aleister Crowley, you know? But I can understand their point, too, is that, he was so frowned upon that nobody would think, back then at least, nobody would think that they would hire Crowley or he would work for the government or anything like that. So it makes sense to me. It totally makes sense. There's also rumors that a secret file exists within the UK's M5 on Britain's most famous witch. Here we go. Scott, I hope you're not doing another segment in this. <laughs> Her name is Sybil Leake, <laughs> who is rumored to have undertaken work of the very weird kind to help defeat the Nazis during the Second World War. Yes, he was crazy like a fox, but he knew his shit. Um... Hey, hey Freaky Geek! geek. That's okay, my friend. So people have secure, tried to secure such files, but with no luck. But there's a chance that they exist. The BBC says once of the one of the most incredible claims about her is that she re recruit she was recruited by the British government during the Second World War. According to the Second World War author Michael Selzar, her role was to provide phony horoscopes for Germans who believed in astrology. Scott now, says you're safe on this story. Okay, okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't want that mishap again. <laughs> um, so she would provide, which Nazi or the Nazis were big into the occult, right? And, you know, thinking of that. So she was going to provide phony horoscopes for the Germans who believed in astrology. 
She apparently wrote a chart which convinced the Nazi Rudolf Hess to fly to England where he was captured. Maybe one day we'll know for sure if that is truth. But it's definitely weird. He's like, for now. <laughs> Copycat. <laughs> oh, freaky geek. I'm not worried about it, hon. I know. I know if you're not here, you're doing something. It's no big deal. Well, the Nazis had dwelled in the occult and witchcraft. And, yeah, exactly. Exactly. They believed in all that stuff. Scott will have to do some research to make sure Shadow got the information right. I know, right, Freaky? He's going to be, he's probably doing it right now. <laughs> I figured you were going to say that, Scott. <laughs> all right, so in the States, we're going to talk about remote viewing. The whole remote viewing phenomenon is well known. But how about a certain operation that led remote viewing excerpt Pat Price during the 1970s? In his 1997 <laughs> book, Remote Viewers, Jim Schnobel told the story of the U.S. Intelligence Committee's involvement in the controversial issue of psychic spying that largely began in the early to mid-1970s. Commenting on the skills of a talented remote viewer in no relation to matters of UFO nature. One, Pat Price. Snowball noticed Price was uh, was of the opinion that Alaska's Mount, ha Mount Hayes, the jewel of the glacial range northeast of Anchorage, housed one of the aliens' largest bases. Did you see what Freaky put? No. I can't type as I speak it. I end up spelling words I'm saying. <laughs> what does that remind you of? You. I can't talk to him while he's <laughs> typing. I'm not allowed to. <laughs> I'll start typing her a whole conversation. I tried to, Patrick. Tried to remote view, but I, I I guess I don't have enough faith in myself at this point in time right now. Do you know what I mean? A remote viewer is kind of like astral traveling. You're seeing... Um, like, remote viewing would be like me looking into your living room. You're seeing places and areas that you're not in. Right, right. So, according to Pat Price, the aliens that lived deep inside Mount Hayes were very human-looking, different, differing only in their heart, lungs, blood, and eyes. Um, he added that the aliens used thought transfer for motor control of us. The site has also, also been responsible for strange activity and malfunction of the U.S. and Soviet space objects. And that's true. I mean, Mount Hayes has been a topic of, of thought and for years about aliens being there. That's where the door opened up and there's a door up there. They won't let you near there. I believe Mount Hayes is where they think the uh, Black Pyramid is, underneath the ground. I could be totally wrong, though. But, yeah. It's, it's, and Pat Price is one of the well-known, he's, he also, I believe it was Pat Price that remote-viewed Mars, or the moon, and it said that it, um, somebody had already been there. 
So now on to dosing. In 1978, staff at the Foreign Technology Division, FTD, at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, Daytona, Ohio, prepared for an extensive document titled Parapsychics R&D Warsaw Pact, R&D referring to research and development. Page 23 of the document details positive results of both U.S. and Soviet research in the field of dowsing. Notably, a copy of the entire FTD document was sent to the CIA's Office of Science and Technology shortly after its publication. How about the FBI's file on spontaneous human combustion? So, I mean, this is... The dousing, I mean, people think that dousing works, and it does. I mean, that's how people found water back in the days. I don't think I've done remote viewing, but I have had a few days, deja vu moments of knowing a place I've just got to that I've never been before. Yeah. Well, it's not that they don't know English, Skook. It's the word purple. <laughs> Scott loves saying the word purple. Yeah, both me and Eddie have rods. Of course, I, I use my pendulum, my little rods. I got I got little tiny ones. Eddie's got the big ones. I was trying. <laughs> yes, you can type it, but you can't say it, Scott. We all know this. I was trying to explain to people because back in the day they didn't have this casing around on the handles where it spins around, you know what I mean? Your hands don't touch the actual, because back in the day, they would just use them like this. I mean, obviously this way, but, and they thought that the dousing came from little muscles in your hand, which definitely could be. I've never, you know, tried it out or whatnot. Um, but so the crossing of the dousing rods are from like your, your conscious, your subconscious and moving muscles in your hands, which very well could be. But I was trying to explain to people um, the other day that these ones have casings. The ones, the dousing rods um, made today have the casings around them so your muscles don't even touch the actual rod. Your hands don't touch the actual rod. So, yeah, who knows? Uh, I've had a German woman say my name before. Oh, my days is cute. <laughs> beep, beep. I, my mom has once had one saying in Germany and in, in German language, and I have no clue what it means, and I have no clue how to say it. Put the rods and straws. No skin to rod connection. Yeah, that's kind of like how those are. They have the casing around them. Back in the day, though, Scoop, they did touch the rod. They didn't have the casing. Her back, Heather, they didn't have the casing around them. 
yeah, they didn't have the casing back in the day. And, I mean, water dousing was definitely different. It had the bent over, they used wood, you know, they used tree sticks. They used um, metal that was turned over. I don't, I can't explain that. <laughs> you would have to see it to know what I mean. So anyway, the last story, well, I don't know if it's the last story, but um, the next story is all about spontaneous human combustion. That was the subject that the Bureau studied for a long time. It's a little-known fact, however, that midway through the 20th century, the FBI got involved in the controversy of spontaneous human combustion. The unfortunate person whose fiery death caught the attention of the FBI was Mary Hardy Reeser. And I'm sure you all have seen this or heard about this story at least. Um, a then 67-year-old woman from St. Petersburg, Florida. It was sometime on the night of July 1st, 1951, when Reeser took her last breath. Reeser's son, Richard, who was a physician, his daughter Nancy and the landlady, Patsy Carpenter, were hanging out with Reeser in her room. Around 9 p.m., they all left. The last image was of Reeser reclining in her chair and smoking a cigarette. It wasn't until the next morning that it became clear something terrible had happened overnight. As fate would have it, in the morning in question, Carpenter received a telegram for Reeser and took it to her room. There was no response to Carpenter's knock on the door, so Carpenter turned the doorknob. She screamed and jumped back because the doorknob was red hot. Carpenter quickly caught the attention of a couple of house painters who raced over and forced open the door. All three were hit by a blast of scalding air. The scene in front of them was something out of a horror movie. The chair in which Mary Hardy Reeser had been reclining was severely burned. Ashes were everywhere. Teeth and bones could be seen on what was left of the chair. And then there was the matter of Reese's head. It had shrunken significantly and burned almost raw. But undamaged was Reese's left ankle, as well as her left foot, left foot and left shoe. The remains aside, she was pretty much gone. The FBI file on human, uh, human combustion, however, still exists. And I do remember there's a couple more stories of, of spontaneous human combustion um, that had happened, but there's only like maybe three stories, including research. But it is, it's weird. Definitely weird. Um, and it's weird that the FBI looked into it. I mean, it isn't weird, but it is weird. The chair was burned as well, yes. Yeah. The chair was burned and she was burned. Except for her left ankle, her left leg, basically. Ankle bone and her foot and her... That's what we're talking about, Freaky. <laughs> Spontaneous human combustion, yes. It's just weird. It's scary. It's like 
man. But what's weird about it is why would her head shrink? I don't get that. I mean, you think about, I, I understand that there is gases inside of us that can make us explode, apparently. I get that, but I don't understand why the head would shrink. <laughs> no problem, freaky geek. I believe so, Scott. Yes, was there a case where the chair wasn't burned but the body was? Yes, I believe there was in one of the instances of uh, spontaneous, spontaneous human combustion. Yeah, this one, the chair did not make it. But what's your guys' think on, on why that head shrunk? I'll have to look into the other ones to see if their heads shrunk, were shrunk too. Patrick said there was a case of a guy in a rowboat with friends that caught fire in front of him. They put him out and he survived. Ooh. They caught it on video? I don't know if I want to watch that. I really don't know if I want to watch that. <laughs> guys aren't answering my question why would the head shrink <laughs> out of all of it you know I just want to know that one answer that's weird to me I don't know so the next one is now these are all files from the FBI mind you then there's the Collins Elite. Have you guys heard of this? Maybe. Maybe it's that one guy from Beetlejuice going around shrinking heads. I don't know. Could be voodoo. I wonder if she knew anybody that was into voodoo. I don't know. It's actually hoodoo, but, you know. Welcome back, Heather. So, guys, have you heard of Collins Elite? So... What it is, is it's a think tank type group, a think tank type group that believes that UFO phenomenon is demonic in nature rather than having extraterrestrial origins. Today, the Collins elite still exists despite the widespread denials of the U.S. government that it ever existed. Of course, why are they going to say that it did? And in the 21st century, the group is definitive is a definitive secret society. Entrance to the group is strictly limited to those that move effortlessly between the domains of the Pentagon, but not the Pentagon, yeah, the Pentagon, and the Tritarial Commission, the Department of Defense and Fringe Archaeologists, the Pope, and those well-versed in Black Arts. As the Collins elite sees it, the group is at the forefront of worldwide secret war to prevent a full-scale demonic invasion worldwide. Martial law, Armageddon, the rise of the Antichrist, and the planet, and a planet and its people plunged in literal hellish nightmare. 
So what do you guys think? Would, I mean, maybe they're right. I don't know. Time may tell if the theories of the secret ne network are valid or not. Everybody's saying welcome back, honey. Thank you, guys. Freak says he didn't see me leave. Obviously, he's, he, he got stuck in that zone and didn't see my camera now. <laughs> I am freaky geek, but it's getting close to the weekend, so, you know, my lips don't work. <laughs> yes, and that's true for Mondays and Tuesdays because it's at the beginning of the week. Yes. So she has one good day where she can speak fine, and that'll be tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> or no, it should be today. I don't know. We'll see. You're bad on Thursdays and Fridays and Mondays and Tuesdays. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah. So, I mean, they're there. It's a true group. It's been, you know. Is that like the uh, Majestic 13? The Majestic 12? Or the Majestic 12? Well, yeah. According to the government, they never existed either. Uh-huh. That's why there's footage of them. But, yeah, I mean, these they just think that everything's demonic. If Mo Mothman, I can understand that. That's Harbinger. That's a Harbinger. You know, that's, I, that's my opinion. I believe that Mothman is a Harbinger, a warning sign. Yeah, he, he's not around to hurt anybody. I, like, when that bridge went down, they... At first, they thought it was him, blah, 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 and then they come to realize that, no, he was actually trying to warn them that it was going to collapse. Yeah. There's harbingers on, you know. Patrick, it's been snowing here since sometime yesterday afternoon. That is true. And it's been dumping pretty good. Um, There's harbingers out at sea. There's harbingers all around. Well, I'll have to watch. I've only seen, since I've been up here, I've only seen two owls. So I'll have to make sure I look at the sky when that those owls come around. And they're big. They're big owls. I mean, they're going to be bigger than that one from Batavia, New York. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and that's exactly right, Heather. That's what people are afraid of. It's not that they're afraid of what's in front of them. They're afraid of what, what they don't know is in front of them. Yep. That's why a lot of things, you know, yes, I jump scare, but when it comes to paranormal things or anything like that, I, I jump scare. Yes, he jump scares a lot. <laughs> but it doesn't, like, I feel like we're, in, they were here a long, longer than we were. They're, we're invading their freaking territory. <laughs> I feel that way. It's kind of like how Alaskans look at bears, you know? No big deal. You know, second nature here. Exactly, we don't kill them. We bean bang them back up into the mountains. You even, know, even walking down the middle of the of town, it's just like, oh look, another bear. Yeah. You know, it's it's you learn to live with them. It's kind of like paranormal. That's how I. That's my thought process of paranormal. Is just you learn to live with them. <laughs> uh, well, again, Patrick, you said you. Just got out of a snowstorm, and now you're in another one. Like I said, it's been snowing here almost 24 straight hours. 
Exactly, Freaky Geek. It's a shame. He said it's a shame that most UFO movies, it's depicted that the people take up arms right away or eventually. Yeah, exactly. I mean... <sighs> most people are scared. Some are excited. Like, I knew it was true. I knew it was true. But then yeah. you get the ones that you go, oh, they're here to kill us. Yeah, then you get the people like in Armageddon, or not Armageddon, Independence Day. I'm going to be the one up on, on the, <laughs> that gets killed because I'm like, welcome! <laughs> and then they blast me. <laughs> but, you know, what are you going to do? So you're the American Chancellor to greet us, huh? Boom! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, yeah, it's, it's all how, how you look at things. It's, you know... Go by your gut instincts. What do you think? I mean, don't... I guess one of the bases that I wanted to do this channel is you have the right to live your life the way you want to. And if, you know, you believe in UFOs, aliens, cryptids, paranormal, then so be it. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing freaking wrong with that. And it still pisses me off that people get their lives torn apart for what they believe in. Religiously as well. You know, I mean, that's what you're brought up. That's the only life you know. I mean, it's definitely you need to, you know, explore and research different things of what it could be. Yeah. But I mean, don't ever let anybody tell you you're wrong because you know what you it's kind of like I'm a big advocate for I know my own body if something hurts I usually know what it's what's hurting um it's kind of like that way uh Patrick says I've been dealing with the paranormal for a little over 50 years and times I jump on yeah it's normal it's we're human we're gonna jump scare I mean don't get me wrong there are times that I jump scare if I see something freaky happen I'm gone you're really like creepy I'm gone I guarantee I'd be gone I just haven't run into that thank god but <laughs> You know what I mean? It's just, you know, we're human. Yeah, that's why I say if there's a paranormal investigator that hasn't been scared of something, they're lying because, believe me, I believe that we're they're all around us all the time. And You're not just going to walk in and, and, and be perfectly fine without knowing anything that's going on inside. Right. Yes, yes you can do research. You can do extensive research. That doesn't mean you know what the hell is going on in there. Exactly. It's kind of like one of my cases in the World Division with Parachills is the Grand Canyon Caverns, right? Now, it's digging right now, obviously, because we can't go outside. We're researching a lot of it. And, and you know, kind of like, should we investigate or should we not? Now... The rumors there is that the person that found the caverns is haunting it and his, I don't know if it's his brother or brother-in-law, I can't remember off the top of my head, but um, who hung himself there. Well, I found out that now, now his, the one that supposedly hung themselves there 
yes, they committed suicide, but they weren't even near that. They were in another state. You know what I mean? But I would still, if that's the claims of who is haunting there, I would still like to go investigate that for myself to find out who really is haunting there. Does that make sense? Right. Can, can I confirm what you or who you said it is? Right. Or, I mean, I've read it. It's this person. Okay. Read it a few times. So am I supposed to believe that? Or do I go find out on my own? Right. I'd rather find out on my own. Sorry, I was cleared. You were cleared? Yes. See? I get cleared. He was clear. <laughs> He's not sickly. Just so you guys know, every time I go into work, there's a machine there. We got to go up. We got to get our temperature shit done to make sure we don't have COVID. Which is stupid. You know, you walk in from outside at fucking 20 below weather and, oh, your temperature is low. Well, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> And it's pretty much exactly how most urban legends start. Yeah. That and folklore. Yeah. I'd rather go experience it. Know the knowledge in case we do get activity or whatnot. Know the knowledge of who has, you know, supposedly died there or, or is haunting there. Yeah, definitely have that. But I also want to find out who truly is there, if anybody. If that makes sense. And freaky, yes. Uh, the Grand Canyon was actually caused by water erosion. Um, Scoops, and if you think the Grand Canyon's smooth, you've been looking at all the wrong photos. <laughs> there ain't nothing smooth about the Grand Canyon. That's like if you look up Letcher State Park, that's the Grand Canyon of the East. We like to call it that anyway. It's, well, it's big enough to be. Yeah, it's in New York, and I grew up, I mean, I'd pass by the waterfall every day going to school. Um, nope, can't say I've ever heard of that. I've heard of an ancient civilization like the ant people. I've lived, I, I've lived, yeah. No, I, I haven't lived with the ant people that I know of. Um, <laughs> but I've heard of, you know, like underground tunnels and that everywhere. So, I mean, I don't know unless you're talking about the ant people. That's all I know. <laughs> um, no, not necessarily. If, if water created the erosion, you got to remember, it's not all going to erode at the same time. It's going to erode in, in, in layers and levels. So, it would not create it to be smooth. It, it, it's like watching a mudslide or the side of a bank in California eroding. Right. You know what I mean? It, it's not going to break off smoothly. No, apparently, Freaky Geek, there was their prejudice against uncle people. Just aunt people. No uncle people. <laughs> <laughs> so the last one that I have for today is 1952, the U.S. Army secretly looked into the matter of teaching dogs to search for deadly landmines on battlefields. Well, that's... The strangest aspect of the program was that it would explore the feasibility of the dogs using extrasensory perception to find landmines. The Army contacted, contracted Dr. Joseph Banks Ryan, PhD, to come on board. The operation progressed quickly, according to the documentation, which has been released under the terms of the Freedom of Information Act. Two dogs in particular, named Tessie and Binnie, scored very well. 
Ryan also suggested to the Army that pigeons might be good candidate for certain trickery operations of the military and espionage type. The official records contains Ryan's own words on the intriguing issue. He said, the mystery of pigeon, pigeon, try this again. He said, the mystery of pigeon homing and the possibility that extrasensory perception enters into the performance led to us undertake the solution of the problem of how these pigeons find their way home. Take care, Scott. Be safe, buddy. Thanks for coming in. Take care, Scott. Love you. Thank you so much. At the termination of the contract, the problem had not been solved. Ryan added, however, that regarding the matter of pigeon homing, researchers have ruled out all existing sensory hypotheses, thereby making extrasensory perception more plausible interpretation than it has been now. The research has opened up possibilities of importance, not only within, but far beyond the scope of projects specifically dealt with. The problems raised on this project involve basic research that remain in the category of in inapplicable for many years. Measured against this is the enormous value, not only to intelligence, but to an application in a world range of military uses of extrasensory perception. So, I wonder if that's what opened up, honestly, the whole, have you guys seen the, you know, where the U.S., the government, I don't know if other governments have it, but I'm sure they do, governments, the government has the, like, the parabolic mic that works in reverse, it gets into your head. We've seen it on Josh Gates. You know, remember I'm trying that? to remember where the guy was standing there with the parabolic mic, and he or and he whispered, and Josh could hear it in his head, but they were far apart. Yeah. 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 Mind thing, mind fucking, basically. We're all built with a a built-in compass. It's just whether you can perfect on how to use it. A lot of people, like um, with uh, like how fish swim in the sea, a lot of people, you know how they do the schools and and or birds when they, um, they move and then they turn sharply and they all know to turn sharply. What they think happens is is basically like they have a magnetic compass, magnet in their head, or at least something magnetic, um, and so when they're fly together or they swim together it becomes one big one big magnet so they know exactly where which they're way they're turning yeah they're all on the same wavelength same thing with birds yeah patrick says yes i've seen that <laughs> right me too freaky geek don't ever get directions from me hmm. no it's not a good idea I go by landmarks. And you don't eat from this town and you don't know where the landmarks are. You're you screwed. are fucking done. That's why downstairs, when I have to tell people, <laughs> when I have to tell people directions to how to get to, like, the harbor, I mean, I can tell you how to get to the harbor, but um, certain parts of the of Valdez, uh, we have this big picture that shows the whole land of Valdez. It's a big sky picture that 
is looking down at all these, so I can show them that way. It's an aerial them. photo. Yeah, it's an aerial photo. <laughs> right, right, Heather. Somehow, same how Canadian geese fly in the arrow, arrow shape. Yep. There was a couple of times I heard Missy giving directions and I had to stop the guy and I was like, no, just listen to me. Just go down to this corner, hang him up and go straight. You'll run right into it. Yeah. Missy got him going this way and around that turn and down this road. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm not that bad. <laughs> Only when people want to get to Allison Point. Yeah, well, no, it wasn't even that. It was just you, you, you knew where you were going, but yeah. you were going the long way around. Well, yeah. I can only go the way I know to go. And the easiest direction is to give anybody to what she's talking about, Allison Point. And I don't know how people have not figured this out. Get on the main road, keep going until you see the cemetery. When you see the cemetery, it's the next road right past that. Take a right and keep going. You're, you know, take it right to Allison Point. <laughs> now I know that. But before, I had no freaking clue. Well, birds might be able to see uh, Leah Lyons. That's true, freaky geek. I wonder. I wonder... If, like, I wonder if birds can, like, if certain things are, like, I want, I, know, I want to say either glowing or shiny to them. Do you know what I mean? It could be. Yeah, take the long way home. That's basically it. Take the long way home. It does suck when they do move, Freaky Geek, then I'm all screwed up. If somebody moves a landmark on me that I use, oh, I'd be all, I'd be like, mm. Do you remember where the statue used to be? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, they change positions. I don't know if it's to give each other a break. Yeah. I can see that. Well, you got to stop and think about it. The one flying out front is uh, his push power from the ones behind him. He's not fighting as hard as the other ones are. Uh, yeah, I can understand. It's that. like it's like NASCAR and drafting. Yeah, I can understand <laughs> that. That's like everybody thinks uh, uh, porpoises and dolphins outswing a boat, I mean, a big ship. Right. No, they, they don't. don't. Yeah. The boat is pushing them. Yeah. But it does look cool. It does look like they they are out swimming the ship. We actually had that happen across the street at the bank with the ducks. Remember? There was two ducks out there. Yeah. It's out of nowhere. But that's what it was. They came down. One couldn't make it. so They took a break. Yeah. But it's weird to see here. Is You know what I mean? Was it ducks or geese? It was ducks. They were ducks. Yeah, they were ducks. They weren't geese. Um, the geese fly through here like it's cool. They catch that, that mountain. They catch that, that uh, turbulent vort vortex yeah. through here. And they, oh, just, yeah. and they just go. Birds. Let me tell you, it's so funny when the birds, because we get a lot of windstorms because of the mountains and that. So it's like always constantly flowing. But the birds love it. It's funny to watch them because it's like... They love, they go up flying, trying to fly into it, and then just soar. They'll like, they're having fun. Because they can't go anywhere, so they'll just turn, and all of a sudden they breathe, and it takes them. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, it's funny to watch, because it's like they're playing, they're having fun. They do, they have a ball. Or you'll just see them sit there in one spot, with their head into the breeze, just sit there. No, none of them had Kit Kats. That's my favorite, and no. 
They didn't have Kit Kats. Oh, I didn't have a cigarette <laughs> after working. I'm about ready for one. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to hurry up to get here. But it's so funny because it, they just have so much fun doing it. And the part that sucks is now I got to go back to work for about two more hours. It might be longer than now. I got to fool you both plus some on a pallet. Fun, fun. Let me get over to D-Live. I do. I thank you guys so much for coming in today. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Make our afternoon so much more enjoyable. Definitely. And I ain't going to lie. You should hear me and shout We talk a lot about you guys after we close the show. Definitely. And not in a bad way. Unless your name's Scott. But no. <laughs> <laughs> not nice. But you guys are like family to us, so it's like, you know, damn, that was a fast two hours. Yeah, exactly. A lot of this, um, you wear thermals? Me too. Have to. Appear. No, he says, I don't ride thermals, I wear them. I know, I, I wear them too. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't this year yet. Thanks, Heather. Because hey, this year really hasn't been that cold. I could have put them. I was going. I was thinking about of, it, could putting them on last night. We yeah, had a couple of days that, that we've had a really bad cold snap, but for yeah, the most part, it hasn't been that bad. It hasn't been that bad this year, but it was frigid. The past two days were frigid. There you go, Skook. Well, see, that's a lot of people don't realize about the the pair, the spare box. It's not the, you're not listening for the radio signals. I, well, we talked about this the other day. Patrick, you're absolutely right about that, too. Um, It's the inner, it's almost, white noise in the spare box is almost like a strobe light. So it's allowing the spirits to come through to you in between those thing. God, I feel like I'm drunk. I don't know what the hell's going on with me. For, yeah, when it gets that cold, and yeah, my, my sciatic nerve really starts bothering me. My joints. That's when I'm having bad days. When I have to get up and take Advil, that's when like my joints and my spine kill me. But yeah, white noise is good. White noise is... I like listening to white noise. <laughs> but that's just me. All right, guys, hype up that chat and D-Live. Get it going. Get it going. And this is where I come in. <laughs> Ladies, hugs, guys, fist bumps. Stay safe, stay strong, and we can get through this together. On that, I hope to see you guys tomorrow. All right, I have opened the chest. It should be popping. Maybe? Okay, there it goes. <laughs> it took it a minute. It took a minute to get out there, but I hit the button. You got 20 seconds, so if it hasn't popped up, hit it again. I'm sorry for everybody thinking come in because my apparently I didn't update the titles. Um, oh, it says what if Wednesday to me? Yeah, but that's on Restream. But the titles actually on D Live is like Tarot Tuesday. Well, I'm reading it through YouTube. Yeah. Our, oh, maybe, I don't know. 
<laughs> All right, Heather got 102.3 Lamones. Patrick got 59.2, and Freaky Geek got 43.1. Thank you for the Lamones, Heather. Thank you so much, huh? And the ice cream, I appreciate it so much. Absolutely. Definitely. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for coming in today. I really appreciate it. We really appreciate it. Tomorrow is... We're going to the second part of talking about chakras. Not the next half of it. <laughs> Interesting. I hit the button and the box didn't go away right away. Yeah, when I hit the box to distribute. Distribute? Distribute? Yeah. The lemons, it took it a minute to pop up. That's why I was like, maybe? <laughs> but, um. Anyway, I hope you guys have a great day. Take care, be safe, and remember, find something today to make you smile with your eyes. Love you guys.